championship game on Fox. One of the most emotionally charged football games of this entire season across the country happens for a second time. USC and Utah, a one-point game back in October. And tonight for USC, everything on the line with a college football playoff berth sitting right there. O'Hara. Hurting. Hey, Mike, bad week for the women's soccer team, bad week for the Pac-12. I'm Charles. He's Mike. I said, hey, Mike, but say hey. (laughs) Say hi. Hey, that was an understatement, Charles. Yeah. Out of our league. uh, And, uh, you know, again, two two bad weeks for those two different uh, institutions or whatever you want to call them. The the women's soccer World Cup performance is you know particularly disappointing. Certainly, first and foremost for all of them and their staffs and coaches that sort of went out and sort of just did not perform at the level that they certainly thought they would coming off two World Cup wins. But you know where that go where it leaves the state of the women's national team uh, now that it seems like the rest of the the world has made meaningful strides catching up to them. Um, we don't know, you know, there were some big injuries that happened on the team, you know, late in the, the pre-roll cup process that certainly impacted their ability to move people around and, and shuffle lineups. But Charles, I'm equally as curious what you think about sort of Fox, uh, and the disaster that they have on their hands. You know, they, they knew with this time zone over in that part of the world that they were facing an uphill battle, uh, as it was in ratings, but, you know, in the group stages, you know, the women's team was getting, you know, 5 million viewers, as long as the, the two games that were reasonably scheduled. Uh, but the rest of the games were like, uh, you know, 40% down versus the last world cup. And now interest is just going to really fall off the cliff. Like, what do you do? Um, what do you do if you're Fox at this point? Yeah. Well, let me start by doing whatever Fox can do to promote their other shows. Let's promote what we're talking about today. So we'll talk about this. I'll answer your question. We'll talk Pac-12 chaos and what it means. We want to touch a little bit on um, this announcement by Ricky Rubio of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's going to take sort of a a timeout to deal with some mental health issues. And Jason will be along with his worm bite and Mike Smith sports moment of the week. Well, you know, a lot of times we talk on this show that TV executives are sort of praying for certain results, right? Like again, back to Fox. Uh, they'd always want the New York Yankees in the World Series against the Dodgers. Um, but I think if you're Fox now, yeah, you're kind of screwed. Maybe, maybe you sort of turn your broadcast into what's next for the U.S. women's national team because the the audience that was coming to that still seems to want to talk about what happened, what's the fallout, what's the future. And then obviously you got to sort of really lean into the competition there's no good answer to that question. I mean, at the end of the day, the result did not go the way they wanted and they were banking all their hope and their money and their resources on that. They're in the soccer business. They're going to be doing, you know, the world, the men's world cup. So, you know, you just sort of carry on, but it's, it's, there's, it's, it's a bloodletting that it's hard to stop. Is there a, a possible decision to be made to, you know, cut resources, pull staff or pull cameras or, uh, you know, shorten graphics or any of that stuff? Or is everything already committed at this point and the plans are so baked that there's really no turning off the spigot? 
Yeah, I mean, those are pretty much sunk costs. I mean, I'm sure if there's like one thing to isolate where you're like, this is an obvious no-brainer, let's save money on this. But at this point, you know, everything is sort of, you build these things to be scalable. There's, there's really not a whole lot of savings there. And mm-hmm. and also you want to sort of save face with your partners. And so, you know, I, I would I would do everything I could to get, you know, players i think it's going to be almost impossible but you know players from the team on from the u.s team on or maybe at halftime you know tom rinaldi talks about the next phase of the u.s women's national team or you figure out ways to start getting people excited about the u.s men's world cup um and you know in the united states but there's not much you can do yeah disappointing really really feel for everybody and you know it's a bummer for fans well for u.s fans anyway Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, they they, at least the Olympics are around the corner. And so there's a chance to actually rally again, but, uh, we'll see. We shall see. Very disappointing. All right. So where do you want to go next? You want to talk about how Messi's tearing up the MLS? <laughs> well, I know that you're in awe of his performance, Charles. So I think for us more novice soccer fans, the fact that he shows up and is scoring goals left and right and lifting up a Miami team that was pretty meh the entire season and now uh, winning uh, big games uh, ever since he showed up. I know you're as impressed as I am, aren't you? I am because if LeBron James plays next season in the G League, wouldn't he score 40 points, have 20 (laughs) rebounds and 20 assists a game? Can't you just let me enjoy that watching Messi pull magic out of every free kick every game? You're, uh, I, I, you, I can't believe you want to at least have a little fun with, uh, you know, dropping in the goat in the middle of our minor league sport. We have been friends for years and every time I try and censor your fun, it doesn't work out, but I'll never stop trying. Should we talk about the pack four? I mean, the pack 12, I mean, the pack nine, I mean, whatever this (laughs) thing is now. Uh, it's, it's chaos. I mean, uh, and it's the thing that's so weird about all this college alignment is that it was slow, slow, slow. And then all of a sudden like an avalanche. And so you saw these drip, drip, drips happening of different teams shifting and, uh, you know, even going all the way back to when Penn state moved to the big 10 and became the big 11, although you never really called it that. Uh, now all of a sudden it just feels like uh, we're overwhelmed and you have a, uh, a century old conference that is in disarray and uh, you know, maybe to fold as a result of money. And uh, you know, no one was asking for this. I don't think. I don't think there's any, you know, Big Ten fan or, or Big Twelve fan that was saying, "Hey, we need to actually make our conferences bigger." And now you have uh, all these families, athletes, staffs, uh, schools, their athletic departments all thrown up in chaos. How this is going to work from a scheduling standpoint, rivalries that fans come to know and love are certainly going to be disrupted, if not, you know, forever, uh, forever, uh, you know, terminated. Uh, And I think there's just there's like 100 percent chance there's going to be unintended consequences that we just don't know what they are. So whether it's on other non-football sports, whether it's on the women's sports side or basketball side or, uh, you know, again, budget cuts and just sports getting cut altogether because they can't be funded anymore. Uh, I just think that this is really, it's just really sad, really sad. 
Yeah, I mean, it feels like the summer of between the New York Times thing and ESPN, and it just feels like the summer of things that we used to really like, like, and were a big part of the way we grew up um, are sort of going away. And this is, to me, just another example of like something that, like when I was a kid, you know, when USC played UCLA, or we talked last week about Bo Schembechler, when Michigan played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, I'm sorry, when Michigan played uh, USC or UCLA or Ohio State played USC, you know, Pac-10, Big Ten matchup. I mean, I realize in college football for a long time, they've sort of had to try and fix things because the split national championship thing was never great. So the bowl system was never perfect. And But, you know, for so many years now, college basketball hasn't been the same because these guys are one and dones. And then in college football, it started out with the bowl championship series and then, you know, the playoff and now realignment. It just, it there's in a sport where to me, so much of what made it magical was tradition. It's all of a sudden there's, there's, there's no more tradition. And when USC and UCLA decided to leave the pack 12 or 10 or whatever it was, yeah, it really was only a matter of time. So I, I, you know, this is one of those things where you hit the nail on the head. It's about money and everybody really loses except whoever has figured out a way to line their pockets. And, um, I, you know, I mean, are we, are we just too old? So the change is something that we can embrace or is this really a bad thing? Because I, so if we talk about like some changes that have been made in sports that we like, like uh, we never, I, I don't want to speak for you, but like I was very open to the play-in in the NBA. I've been open to baseball's modifications. Jason's going to talk in a moment about how it's been the best weekend for baseball in years. Like we're, we're open to some of these baseball rule changes. I think the NFL playoffs have jumped the shark a little bit. There's too many, but I'm in the minority of that. But this particular thing, this, this is just, this is one of those, the, the, I don't care what age you get aligned to this sport. This just seems like there's a lot of cons and very little pros. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those times when we probably are more aligned and in agreement on something than not that this is, you know, value destruction, uh, for the college sports landscape. I mean, they're effectively shrinking their product through this move as opposed to expanding their product. And, uh, I just don't know how sort of, if you were to try to recreate college athletics from scratch, you would never, ever, ever create a model that looked like this. It's funny, Chip Kelly, uh, the old Oregon coach, old Eagles coach, current UCLA coach, um, you know, he had an idea uh, that I actually really like a lot, that if you were to actually start all this over, you would go to a college sports system that would look a lot like, you know, the NFL divisions where you would have like a an NFC West and an NFC Northwest. And, you know, you'd have sort of all these regional rivalries and, you know, we had, you know, maybe a West coast versus East coast building to a super bowl type of thing, you know, which is, you know, a fun idea to, to think about. Um, but as it stands now, uh, you just now have all these 
games that people used to find valuable and being able to travel and having uh, local rivalries and just sort of much more of a collegial type of aspect to what college athletics was is now really, really been broken down over uh, the last several years. And and this is sort of the just the, the final nail in the coffin. And uh, I, I just go back to that we are only going to hear more and more of stories of how people and individuals and students are getting impacted in a way that people hadn't thought about. And in some ways, it's be careful what you wish for from once you now are letting the media companies dictate how you're governing college athletics, because now they're effectively in charge. And, you know, it's not hard to see a day that, you know, they uh, the conferences didn't want to expand, but all of a sudden the, the media companies made it worth a while to pull in Washington and Oregon into the the Big Ten. Uh, and you know you can envision a day in the future where they're going to say, "Hey, listen, you know, Rutgers and Maryland aren't really pulling their weight. You know, we don't really want them in the Big Ten anymore." And then that'll be you know a school that is you know relegated. You know, in quotes, this is now the American the American version of what a relegation system looks like is having a, your college team kicked out of a a power conference. And, you know, where this goes in terms of uh, college sports now effectively being a semi-pro sport, um, you know, it's not hard to envision. People have already talked about systems where colleges, uh, the teams will be independent and they'll be licensing out the marks from a university and, and really be a separate a separate jurisdiction that is getting uh, the players are, you know, virtually getting, you know, fully paid as a result of what they're they're playing for. So, you know, we never would have envisioned this kind of scenario happening to a century old conference, you know, even three years ago, probably. And so what this looks like three years or five years or seven years from now, we're not going to be able to recognize equally as much. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the most important thing here is when you talk about relegation, comparing it to, let's say, the Premier League, it's fine if it's affecting professionals. But if it's affecting student athletes and kids and people who are not getting paid, it's it's unconscionable. I, I have one question for you about this, which I think is probably obvious, but I'd like like to get your take. Is this all really sort of being driven by the just desperation of the media business? If the media business was more stable, if we were not in an over-the-top world if we're back in the cable when ESPN is king and Fox is sort of a little bit of a thorn in their side and NBC is a little bit of a thorn in their side is all this happening or is this just desperation on all sides so where the big money is with the media companies and these distribution outlets for these colleges that's what's creating this chaos and they're almost like collateral damage yeah i think that's right and i think collateral damage is is the right way to think about this and, you know, getting to my point about unintended consequences, there's going to be more collateral damage to come. And, you know, the question of, you know, who benefits from all this, you know, the average fan, the average student athlete isn't really benefiting from this. It's the the media companies and the, the school administrators are, are benefiting from this. And, um, uh, it's hard. It's hard to see there being a repercussion for it, though, because the passion for the sport is so great that we will all look past this stuff and still follow Penn State or Michigan or whoever um, based on our particular allegiance. But um, it's one of those days, and sort of one of this 
turn of events that really feel it just makes you feel queasy. Makes me feel queasy at least. No, it does. I get I guess just to drill down one step further, the professional sports, the NFL being the greatest example, because of their centralized leadership are actually making more money because of this media fragmentation and chaos. But because the NCAA is just a complete cluster and a mess and it's sort of there's no real centralized like approach, it that's where the the pain and suffering is coming. And and the sad thing is that that the innocent people, the student athletes are the ones that are getting screwed. And to your point, it's not just the football players. It permeates through all the other programs as well. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's queasy is a good word. I don't, I don't know what else to say on this. Yeah. I think just to underline what you said is that this is not an optimized model. So, uh, you know, when I said there was value destruction, not creation as a result of it, that's sort of what I mean is that if you were to take all of the college athletics media rights and turn it over to, you know, some, some big media strategists. This is not the system and the alignment of teams and rights that they would that they would devise. And so, um, it's it's incenting and benefiting certain actors in this system, but it's certainly not benefiting the system in total. That's for sure. Yeah, and again, the, the lesson here is the checks and balances in professional sports is actually you know what is helping them actually have positive impact from the chaos in the media world. But okay. Anyway, um, go ahead. You look like you say, wanted one, to say one final thing that we, we can uh, just move on is that, uh, you know, we, we made a very quick reference to this being sort of the American version of relegation um, that, you know, comparing it to what happens in the Premier League. But, you know, in a system like that, everyone knows the rules and everyone signs up for the system and everyone knows what to expect based on performance. Uh, this is a type of relegation where people didn't even know it was possible or it could happen or realistically expected it to happen. And that's what makes it particularly unfair. And then there also was almost no consideration for, again, the student athletes. So what this is going to do to their mental health, their sleep schedule, their travel schedule, you know, are they taking red eyes back? Or are they going to, you know, stay overnight somewhere and, and make a uh, trip the next day and blow the next day? Like the, the amount of wear and tear is going to put on young people's bodies as a result of all this. Um, again, uh, no one really, really is factoring into any of the decision-making, which is, you know, really, really unfortunate. Yeah. And no one seems to care. Um, one story we just wanted to kind of touch on uh, this week uh, Ricky Rubio of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's been in the NBA a long time. He's played for a bunch of teams. He's obviously plays for the Spanish team as well. He's um, he's not going to play this season because he's going to address his mental health. And, you know, DeMar DeRozan has been very outspoken of this. Kevin Love in the NBA and other athletes. It continues to be a little bit of a stigma, especially among men. We, we saw it with Simone Biles, you know, and you, you can say what you want, but it these these are human beings, and I just wanted to take two minutes to talk about what I think is a brave decision, because while these guys get paid a tremendous amount of money, and everybody would w love to be a pro player and would trade places with these guys, there is so much pressure on these people in terms of the way they weigh their own egos, in terms of their ability to play the game, their relationships with their teammates, their coaches, their families, and... Um, you know, I'm sorry to hear Ricky Rubio suffering, but I, I really like as we this has been kind of a kind of a sadder, more negative uh, show. And, and the fact that even though this is not a happy story, the fact we live in a world now where somebody can actually tell the truth and say, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to take a time out because I'm not doing great, I think is important. Uh, 100% agree. And I think it's, it's always worth reminding people that the people we see on the court or on the field are human beings, just like our son, daughter, cousin, husband, father, uh, wife, sister, etc. They're not robots. That's why, uh, you know, it always uh, just, I always sort of am just dumbfounded by people that think somehow booing someone and screaming someone will incent them to perform better uh, when, you know, that's generally not the way human beings are wired. Uh, and uh, it's, it's great that we are seeing a growing, a growing awareness of these issues being uh, in many ways, much more important than physical health that, you know, your mental health really does start all the things that ultimately become what we typically refer to as normal physical health. And, uh, you know, teams and leagues are now, you know, spending big money to help support this, recognizing the total person that is an athlete. And, uh, you know, all teams, for the most part, I can't imagine any professional team of any consequence that doesn't have a team psychologist that's not checking in with uh, all the athletes all the time. And, a lot of times the agents and players unions and the leagues they all sort of have other programs they do to support people's well-being, but it still takes a special amount of courage, especially for Ricky Rubio heading into a big tournament where you know Spain was going to be defending uh, their their World Cup championship. Uh, and so um, I'm glad that sort of he's taken the time and the space that he needs to hopefully get well. Yeah. Amen. All right. Uh, so there is some good news. Baseball just had maybe their best weekend in quite a long time. Jason's here with his weekly worm bite. Yes, gentlemen, baseball this past Saturday had for the first time since 2004, 13 of their 15 games averaged over 35,000 fans in attendance. Best since 2004. That goes back to, A, there's not a lot going on television. B, it's fun to go to a baseball game. And C, the new rules make the games fun to watch in person. So kudos to them. The renaissance of baseball continues. WB Discovery. David Zasloff announced that properties, NBA, NHL, MLB, NCAA basketball tournament could start streaming direct to consumer via Max, your friend Max. Not HBO, just Max. As soon as October as the continuation of trying to balance streaming with your cable bundle continues. The Cowboys in 2021, 7.1 million watched the Hall of Fame game. This past week, Jets-Browns, 6.3 million for an unwatchable Hall of Fame game. That's NBC's best in this window since 2018. A couple other things about college I want to bring up. Well, you know what's remarkable about this that you guys didn't bring up is the speed of this. It's the speed of how fast these conferences have moved. Think about pro sports. The last time the NBA expanded, Charlotte, 2005, NHL, Vegas, 2017, Seattle, 2021, NFL, 2002, Houston, MLB, 1998, Arizona, and Rays, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Granted, all these leagues are thinking about expanding. There's thought put into it. There's a lot of governmental things, politics. Can you, can you find the right investors to pay up that amount of money? College football. Tuesday, George Kliakoff gives their proposal about Apple being the main television provider. 72 hours later, 
the big 16 takes three schools and the big high, that's 18, that's a lucky number in Jewish world, in Hebrew, 18 is a lucky number. The big 18 takes Oregon and Washington. Just like that, 72 hours. It's like literally there were conference presidents, chancellors on golf courses making votes. So what's the residual of all this? The residual is we're going to get some interesting games. We are. All these big programs getting together, we're going to have some really cool games. And hat tip to the athletic pulse. Here are some of the matchups we're going to see. The John Wooden Bowl, UCLA v. Purdue. The Trojan War, Michigan State versus USC. The Lakers, Minnesota versus UCLA. And of course, my favorite one, the John Denver Classic. Colorado v. West Virginia in the new Big 16. Gentlemen. So my question to you, is that Rocky Mountain high or Rocky Mountain high? Mike Smith moment Charles of the week. You, the love the, you love the podcast medium so much that you are founding your own podcast network. You're teaming up with iHeartMedia to launch a new sports podcast network called the Inflection Network. At first, I thought you were going to call it the Infection Network. It will provide a platform for personalities whose perspectives shape compelling conversation around sports, society, and culture. In an interview promoting the launch, you said, I haven't been this excited about anything in my entire career. I'm sort of surprised about my own excitement, given I paid in the Stanley Cup and you know rode in the Kentucky Derby, but I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just floored that you're more excited about that than than out of our league. That's that just says a lot right there, partner. <laughs>